in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. The Watching Comics podcast is in the house or maybe in your ears in a totally appropriate way. Whatever it is, we're here. Jake, what's up? Not a lot. How are you? Um, yeah, I'm good, man. Well, are, I'm are, you in the, are you in the part of the state that's been destroyed? I am in the one part of the state that has not been destroyed. If you go on the 511 Department of Roads for the state of Nebraska, or you check out any of the memes on social media right now, and you see that the whole western part of the state is closed, and the whole uh, eastern part of the state is flooded, there is one small little square in like the bottom southeast corner of the state that is still green and untouched that's me man good work my my mother who lives in kansas sent me a frantic text earlier today asking if everyone was okay and saying nebraska's like shut down and i was like mom i don't think they shut the whole state down but we're uh, we're okay yeah we're okay on my end of the state too i just didn't know if you're like risking your life to be here tonight no, I, I mean, I do commute to work a little bit. So the, the drive was a little crazy uh, with my 35 mile drive down the highway. But the closest city or town to me that is closed, both entrance and exit is Fullerton. And that's like, I don't know, like an hour away. So I'm in good shape. Watch this segue. Speaking of commute, I hear someone has joined us tonight. <laughs> oh, Jake, you're so smooth. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a super cool episode for a few reasons. One, because we're talking about Captain Marvel, and holy crap, this is going to be great. But two, um, the, the the cool thing about the internet is it allows you to be a little bit weird and a little bit kind of quote unquote creepy without completely crossing the line, and then you get some really cool opportunities. So we have a very special guest today, Maite Molina. And here's the thing: I've been a I've been an internet fan of Maite's for the better part of a year ever since I caught some of her stuff that she was writing on the Comicverse website. And so I was like, okay, I really dig what she's writing. Most of the time we agree on stuff. So she's like someone that I like to read and everything. And then this just, I don't know, randomly last week on the Twitterverse, I blasted her and said, it'd be really cool if you jumped on the podcast just to see, you know, hashtag shameless. And she said, yes. So Maite, you are here with us. I am so excited as a um, non-weirdo fanboy to have you in this awesome geekery arena. How are you? I, I'm doing amazing. And yeah, thank you so much for having me, both of you. Um, it's funny because I didn't, I had, you know, one of those weird angsty Twitters back in high school, got rid of it, um, got it back when I started working for comics first. I could kind of share my articles and stuff. And it's been awesome just being able to connect with other, you know, comic book nerds in the community and just meeting these people and getting opportunities like this. So I am pumped to be able to finally meet you guys in a way and talk about Captain Marvel. Yes, this is the most official meeting we're probably going to get. I mean, <laughs> it's 2019. The internet is official, right? Like this is a thing. This exactly. is real. We're friends now. It's cool. Exactly. We're besties. <laughs> Exactly. BFF. Yeah. Now, exactly. Speaking of your, I'm really going to get into trouble right now, but I'm doing it. Um, speaking of your emo Twitter days. So in the not too distant past, um, my, my wife and I went back in and logged into her MySpace from high school. And I, <laughs> down, I downloaded, wow. I downloaded, yeah, right, man. Like, oh man, gosh, times are simpler <laughs> than back when the most stressful part in your life was what, alienating background do i want my homepage to be and is the song i picked <laughs> playing correctly <laughs> but we we downloaded her public diary from her old MySpace page and i definitely have it saved Oof. in my google docs and we revisit it when we need a good chuckle and she doesn't really listen to this podcast too religiously because as she says <laughs> the stuff that jake and i talk about is really weird so she's probably not going to hear this so i may not get into trouble but if it does get back to her yeah so i love you <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that MySpace is still active. Yeah, that was my initial response there was, wait, MySpace still exists. Like, you can log yeah. into it still. You sure can. People still no. use it? I, that's a good question. I'm, I, man, I'm certainly Pardon not a While I do some internet research while we chat. Yeah, God bless this the is internet. important information. 
it's in, our lives are depending on it really. And what, if exactly. you have, what good is having Google in your pocket if you can't take advantage of it for stuff like this? Okay. <laughs> um, if I understand correctly, I think maybe a few years back, Justin Timberlake bought a pretty big stake into MySpace and tried to turn it into more of like a, a, a SoundCloud light, like make it a big haven for yeah. indie music and resurrect it. Now, I mean, yeah. I, that, that may just come from a Wikipedia entry I read three years ago. So take that with a grain of salt. No, but I think that's true, though. It, it, I think now it's more of like a music sharing, like you said, like a SoundCloud light. But I, I don't know if it's actually that popular. Okay, so Maite, I'm going to go personal here. Do you feel comfortable sharing your go-to MySpace profile song? Oof. Well, funny thing, I never actually had a MySpace. Oh, you're too cool for school. <laughs> Well, it was one of those things where, like, my mom wouldn't let me have social media. You're probably also younger than us. And, like, yeah. (laughs) Well, like, a lot of my friends had MySpace. I mean, I didn't have social media until I was in high school, and I was behind everybody else. So I I missed the whole MySpace phenomenon. Like I said, I had an angsty Twitter, angsty Tumblr, hit all those other. Oh, angsty Tumblr. Okay, so that's next level stuff. You're cool then. You're fine. Yeah, you're good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you've 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 been to the dark side and come around to the light you're fine it's good yeah yeah though it might still be active somewhere in the net I may have forgotten to delete it so you might still find my angsty post from high school <laughs> some some random thursday night when you're not recording podcasts with strangers that hit you up on twitter you can go check it out <laughs> yeah. and relive your glory days <laughs> oh yeah i just delve my sorrows into tumblr all right. So um, another wonderful segue, Drowning Our Sorrows in Tumblr. I don't know if you all noticed, but this last week, a little movie dropped. It was getting a little bit of attention. And I think it's going to do well. It might be around for a bit. It's called Captain Marvel. And yeah. this is this is one thing I kind of initially had sent to Maite when we started dialoguing about the possibility of her coming on this podcast, which was um, both Jake and I are white dudes. So whether we're jerks or not, we can't change the fact that we have been benefit of privilege. That's just the reality of the situation. And one of the things that I love about Captain Marvel, the movie, is not just how good the movie was. We'll get into that. But Brie Larson has really put her money where her mouth is. She has spent the bulk of her career trying to be an advocate for um, women in the industry, women in, cri- women in criticism, and people of color, and really just celebrating – diversity and enhancing the presence of diversity in this entertainment arena. And she really used her platform, I think for good in this particular instance where she was, you know, spending the bulk of her exclusive interviews about this movie with female criticism or critics and female fans and really encouraging, um, the respective media outlets to send people of color and to send women to go and write the big uh, review coverages of these movies on their websites and in their periodicals and stuff. And of course she got backlash from it because, you know, it's the internet, but at the same time, we, we, Jake and I really wanted to lean into that. And that's one of the reasons why Maite, I thought this would be a great episode for you to make your first appearance on our podcast, because you clearly have strong opinions about the comic book lore and the entertainment that it brings as well as carved out a really nice niche for yourself on the internet of saying, Hey, it's okay for a a woman to enjoy these sorts of things and say astute things about them as well. So what, what do you think about all of that? Can you just riff on that for a little bit? Because you definitely would have more poignant things to say than we would. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was a great introduction because I had been following the production of Captain Marvel for quite some time. And, I was familiar with Brie Larson before, uh, you know, she was announced as Captain Marvel. And I was always aware of the fact that she was such an advocate. And I always respected her for that, um, to be such a vocal uh, advocate and really use her platform, like you said, for good. At least I perceive it to be good. I know a lot of people will disagree because of their own opinions, but I digress. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I think it's, I mean, as a woman who was into comics at a really young age um, at a time when there was really no female representation in film or, you know, television um, to be a comic book fan in a time where you have an actress who's really just embracing her role and to see people really be passionate about these characters and 
lining up to the movies to see them play out on the big screen. I mean, the same thing happened when Wonder Woman came out and, you know, I'm in the theater and I see her come out in her costume for the first time and I got really emotional and I didn't really understand why. And I just kind of realized like I'm living in a time where this is happening. And I was watching the Captain Marvel premiere a couple weeks ago and uh, there was a moment where Brie Larson interacted with a bunch of uh, women who had served in the Air Force, um, and some of them were actually dressed oh, up in yes. Captain Marvel yes. costumes. And I mean, that was just, I, I don't know if, uh, yeah, I'm assuming you guys saw that. It was incredibly powerful. Um, and it's the type of thing where I appreciate how she acknowledges that this is so much bigger than just another movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's definitely part of a movement. Um, oh my gosh, that's... That's a perfect way to say it. That that really is. It, it's, I mean, yeah, it is. it's re- really it's, well said. It's bigger than popcorn entertainment. It's a movement for a myriad of reasons. And I don't know. I just I love it when we can when we can meld things together that are both good. Like it's it's great that it's high quality blockbuster popcorn entertainment, but it's also like it's not a mutually exclusive thing. Being a part of a movement exactly. and being entertaining at the same time. It's 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 cool to see those together. Exactly. And I actually, um, after watching the movie the next day, I went to see my mom and I was telling her about it. And I was saying, you know, the, the film had a very different effect on me than other Marvel movies had. And I mean, obviously they had a lot of elements of a Marvel film with the humor and, you know, aspects of the scope. But for me, I I came out of it just feeling really, really happy. Um, and I just think it's because I kind of felt the passion that went into it. And I think that came in from the directors, the writers, and of course, you know, Captain Marvel herself, Brie Larson. And I just, again, it, it was, I don't know. It it was just so powerful to see the, also the direction the film took. It was a lot more character focused than I anticipated. Um, And I like that because I mean, as a young woman, I like, I saw myself as her, I saw myself, identifying with her setbacks, her strengths, her victories, her losses. And again, like I said before, it it felt like a part of a movement. It felt like it was transcending that Marvel formula for something greater than, you know, what it, what it is. Oh my gosh. I, so much richness there. Um, There's a lot to unpack and there are a couple of details I definitely want to explore with the movie. One thing I do really love about the premiere too, was like you were talking about with, with the air force component and some of those folks that were going, I'm, I'm a big fan of um, the WNBA actually. And they, one of the other cool things that they did about the premiere was they had a couple of the WNBA teams come in as VIP guests and get their picture taken on the red carpet and go through the whole premiere experience as well too. And I follow WNBA on my Instagram and everything like that. It was really cool to watch that, like get uploaded on real time because it's, it's not unheard of for someone like LeBron James to go do something cool like that. But exactly. The, but incredibly talented athletes in the WNBA don't get those sorts of opportunities as well. And it's like, well, why wouldn't they? And this is a perfect opportunity for them to celebrate, you know, just like you said, the the growing movement of just greater popular entertainment leaning into the feminist movement. Yeah. And it's not just, and what I, I think what I appreciate the most about all of this, it's not doing these, doing these things just for the sake of doing them. Like you actually see these people care. I mean, they, they're going out of their way to, like, have these people come to the premiere and show their appreciation. Um, and, I mean, you just see the rippling effects of it all. I mean, I'm seeing all these tweets of little girls looking up at the giant, you know, Captain Marvel poster. And for me, that's just oh so inspiring. Gosh. You know, these yeah. little girls can dream of being superheroes. And I think that's an amazing world to grow up in. I've said this before on the podcast, but um, just Wonder Woman was so huge for those same reasons, like you mentioned. But, like, I love that my my little two and a half year old daughter will only grow up in a world knowing where movies like Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel exactly. exist. And yeah. it's just it was it was this cool like like full circle thing for me because it's like I'm I can't wait for my daughter to be old enough for me to introduce these movies to her. But also like I remember going to see Wonder Woman in theaters with my mom and my mom just yeah. wept during the yeah. no man's yeah. land scene. You know, and it's like, it's just like such a really cool moment and everything. And then like in Captain Marvel, when they do that montage with um, Brie Larson's character at all the different ages, continuing to get up every time she falls. Yeah. And I start, I start to cry because I'm like, that's going to be my 
little girl. Like, <laughs> that's really but where the movie. True, yeah, and that, and that's like for me as a as a man, it's this thing where like I don't want to walk in and like I I, I want to be there and I want to be uh, on the sideline cheering and saying awesome. But where it really connected with me and where I had my moment where I I felt just the tiniest bit of ownership on this whole movement was as the father of a little girl. And it was, you know, for me, it's like, so like so many weird kids growing up, I took a lot of, you know, I look back and I'm like, Oh crap, way too much of my values have come from comic books. Oh no. And (laughs) I look at like with my son, it's, you know, there's this really easy thing to be like, you know, Spider-Man had this impact on me and Batman Mm -hmm had this and it's really cool to be in a time you know like you guys are saying like it's really cool to be in a time where i've got uh i've got a really solid collection going of miss marvel comics for the um oh, Kamala yeah. Khan <laughs> that i absolutely intend to like show my my daughter soon and you know as soon as i'm sure she won't rip the pages apart while she's looking at them <laughs> <clears throat> and like as I watched this movie, I thought, yeah, this is absolutely like what I want to show Matilda in a couple of years. Like, this is what I want her to see. And so this is, yeah, this was, that's really for me, you know, without getting too sappy emotional about it, because I, I can go that route real quickly. Um, <laughs> this for me was really where my, fun. yeah, <laughs> well, because, you know, for me, it's like, it's it's important to step back and say, Hey, white dude, I've had plenty of hero moments on film. I'm going to let somebody else have it. But at the same time, as the father of a girl, that was that moment where I was like, yeah, this is, this is awesome. There's something that she can be a part of now. And I feel great about that. Okay. So yeah, and, okay. before we jump into the next segment, I just want to, Maite, this is one thing we do whenever we review a movie. I make Jake give me like a one second summation of his thoughts. So I'm gonna, okay. I want Jake to do that. And then Maite, I'm going to have you go as well too. And we'll, it'll be really interesting to see if Jake hated the movie or not. Cause it'll put him in an awkward position. Cause I don't know. What he thought. <laughs> Cause that happens all the time. Like we all, all the time. Good. We do these movies, and especially when we have guests, they're, everybody's like, oh, I loved it, I loved it. And I'm like, oh, guys, I didn't. No, good news. I loved this one. Um, so my one-sentence summary that I swear I never come prepared for is um, that this is – I think I'm going to say it's a top five Marvel film. That's what I'm going to say for my wow. one sentence. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. I, okay. Maite, before I get rolling, Maite, you do yeah. yours. One sentence summation? Oof. Yeah. What, what, one yeah. Sentence, good your luck. Thoughts on the movie. <laughs> my thoughts on, oh wow, in one sentence. I'm so used to writing these out in like really long. Really articles. big run on sentence. Know, right? Oh, 5,000 words. I don't know if that'll be enough. It's just, <laughs> I, mean, I guess the one thing that keeps coming to mind is that. Carol Danvers is a complete and total badass. And I, I don't know. Well said. I, I mean, That's... I guess I loved it. I mean, I, I thought it was an awesome movie. Um, this made me fall in love with Carol all over again, like it is in the comics. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yes. Perfect. Wonderful. That's, I'm so glad that we're, we're all on the same page. I wasn't worried that someone was going <laughs> to come in here and just gaslight the whole thing. But at the same time, <laughs> after that movie, and I was like, okay, Jake's going to be on. I think my Tate's going to enjoy this and everything. I was like, maybe I'm being selfish, but I just want all three of us to talk about how great it was. That's just really what I want to do. So I hear what <laughs> you're saying. You were worried I was going to screw everything up. That's, okay. Yeah, there it is. Jake read between the lines. Thank you, Jake. <laughs> okay. So here's the deal. Um, eventually I want to get to maybe at the end of the episode, we just rattle off our top five favorite Marvel movies now that are, uh, but, but I'm going to get, give it time to percolate. Cause that, that's really where the Twitter hot takes come out, right? Like, boom, ah. there it is. So, but, um, okay. So I don't know about you guys, but there are a couple of, there are two movie podcasts that I listen to besides our own. And there are a couple of um, trusted outlets that I like to read on a regular basis. And one thing that I have seen on a few, what I would call trusted resources, not just the, the crazy dumpster fire of Twitter is <laughs> that there seem not necessarily a lot, but a fair amount of time is being spent on the lack of, 
of what should I say, magnetism or overall dynamic charisma from Brie Larson in this movie. Now, I've got thoughts on this, but Maite and Jake, I want to hear your takes on it before um, I jump in. I've got thoughts on, I don't know, like, you're the guest, go first, because I'm going to shout. I want to hear you shout, I feel like you have all this energy, you just need to go for it. I just, I mean, we... (laughs) I don't know. No, you should go first because I'm like I'm worked <laughs> up about this. Like it's just, it's like, what are they talking about? I, first I, of all, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think when it came to this movie, I feel like there were so many people who would just love to criticize anything, no, no matter how it went. If she was, I guess, like a total, you know, humorous character, then people would have been, you know just criticizing that you have the other end people want to criticize that either i just you can't please everybody especially people who just refuse to be happy about you know a movie such as this yeah i think i mean i think you're right i think that you know i'm not i'm not the type where i'm gonna pick unless somebody does something really vile i'm not just gonna like pick out a writer and point at them and say they're wrong but like i i have read some articles to this effect and i do get the vibe that there's just like there was a determination to criticize and I, I guess I'm going to be the one who says it. And, and I'm at the risk of sounding overly sensitive, which I try really hard not to be, but I I do want to ask the question, if Chris Pratt read those exact same lines, would people be saying that if, you know, I mean, I, I think that there's this very clear, sexism involved there am i am i off base here guys or like i think that it's yeah it's just just very clear to me words like non-dynamic it's things like like why don't they just say she should have smiled more and because yeah people did people right exactly yeah Yeah. and (laughs) i just think she was so dynamic she was so the character was conflicted and the character grew right in front of our eyes and she had depth that you don't expect in an origin film i mean and that's one of my big takeaways is what a great origin film it was and it was just such a well done thing like i just can't wrap my brain around that criticism because this is a freaking Brie Larson is a legitimate actor and this is oh, oh yeah. man. Yeah, so let's yeah, let's mean, just think think about for a second of yes, like save me. We are we are saying that or not we out, other people are saying that an Academy Award winning actress from arguably the most emotionally profound movie of the last 5 years probably not named Roma is starring in a movie and we're calling her stale. Like the, the level of ignorance and is, it's just staggering for that. And, and especially like just that in and of itself is staggering, but then it also, I don't know. I can't, I keep coming back. Like Jake, you know me, I'm all about story and narrative, you know, my background. And to me, I just want to say like, okay, other than the sexism thing, other than the fact that she's Brie friggin' Larson and she should earn your respect regardless. And just, even if she was like a little <laughs> muted, like give her some grace, but two, like, okay. Did anybody pay attention to the, to the movie and the context of the story and the character? <laughs> that she was going through? Like, you. Yes. Did anyone else watch a two hour uh, movie yeah. where the main character literally did not know who she was. And then the only semblance of emotion she had was being stifled by another character saying, don't do that. Like, Duh. Well, that's that's really I mean, well said. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm convinced that these people didn't even watch the movie. I mean, I when the first set photos came out of her and the green and black Cree costume, I remember reading comments about it, and most of the comments weren't even about the fact that the costume looked different than its comic book counterpart. Most of the comments were about how the costume wasn't sexy enough. So course, from that point course. on, I realized that there was going to be as we said before, these groups, these people that were determined just to hound on this film. And it, it's frustrating for sure, but then it's reassuring to see how successful this movie is, not just financially, but amongst audiences and how much people appreciate it. And like uh, y'all were saying before, I mean, this was, in my opinion, one of the more emotionally heavy Marvel films. I, I felt it was really grounded. And I found that very surprising because it's 
a lot of a lot of it takes place in space and it's a very it's a cosmic adventure yet it's all driven by this character who doesn't know who she is and i feel like that's something that we've really seen in marvel movies really so one thing that I kind of want to run with a little bit here is the origin concept. Jake, you teased it a touch, but um, Maite, I, we're just, I'm going to come clean with you. Jake and I, especially recently in the last few episodes, depending on the topic we've been talking about, have come back to the concept of we're, we're definitely starting to feel origin fatigue. Not necessarily mm-hmm. throw our hands up in the air. We're tired of it, but the fatigue yeah. is setting in, and we certainly have drawn the line in the sand of never wanting to see Bruce Wayne's parents getting gunned down in an alley in another <laughs> movie. You know, like there's just only so yeah. much paint by numbers origin yeah. stuff we have seen. That said, yeah. we both are raving about, or all three of us are raving about this movie, but it's an origin story. Even Black Panther, like part of the reason why I thought Black Panther was so brilliant was because we got the origin junk out of the way in Civil War. It was like, yeah. we got introduced to everything we got a tease there so then we didn't have to do the formulaic stuff in that movie and we could just get right into the meat of the bones um yeah so let's let's riff on origin a little bit do do we like the way they kind of reinvented this origin narrative here do we think it was good or are we still feeling origin fatigue or do we look past the fact that it's an origin story and just enjoy the high quality action sequences where where do you both set on this i I, that's one thing that stood out to me most about this movie was how they took the origin story. And it, it didn't feel like, an, for me, it didn't really feel like a, an origin story film. Um, but it's interesting because I was explaining to some friends before we went to see it, uh, you know, the history of Carol Danvers. And I told them, I There's don't really lot. know how the movie's, <laughs> there is a lot. Um, and I was kind of explaining the whole like Marvel uh, relationship and how she got her powers and such. And I told him, you know, based on the trailers, I really have no idea if they're going to even incorporate that at all. So it was really interesting to see how the movie was actually, in my opinion, pretty faithful to the comic book story and the, uh, the characters themselves. And with that, the whole memory loss uh, subplot and I don't know. I, I really liked the way they handled it. It didn't feel like a conventional origin story to me. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they really did a good job with it. And again, it was a really character grounded film. So I think that had a lot to do with it. And we haven't seen her on screen before. So it's not like we're seeing this for the seventh time, like Bruce Wayne's parents getting murdered. <laughs> I'm convinced yeah. that Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck listened to our podcast. And this is why. Um, <laughs> J- you never J- know. There, yeah, you never know. I mean, we. I mean, we are famous, Maite. If you didn't know. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's, we, it's an honor, honestly. We live, <laughs> the, we live in Nebraska, in the bustling metropolis, the nexus of uh, the entertainment universe. But here, here's why I say that because multiple times whenever Jake and I have a problem with an origin sequence or there's a story that feels stunted or you could tell that they just try to jam pack too much into something, especially with the bloated Netflix series where they give you three more episodes than you need. I, I have said on multiple occasions, like if you want to do the flashback thing, do it like Lynn Ramsey style in the movie. uh, You were never really here where it's like you get just these brief flashes, these moments where you have to try to piece it together where it assumes the audience is intelligent. You get enough to piece the pieces together but you're not just going back and doing a seven minute scene of this in the past and then going back and forth and everything like that and then when they started giving me those flashes of the guns and roses uh karaoke the hanging out at the hangar you know all that sort of stuff but it's just like little moments and they're two or three seconds and everything i was like oh my gosh this is this is it they 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 heard me (laughs) they knew this is can i I see while you're bringing that up one of i thought the the smartest bits was the so restrained the very light touch used with the scene with her father coming and screaming at her because she tried to race the boys you know that in an alternate universe in a darker timeline than this there's mm-hmm. a version of this movie that's all about carol trying to please her father and yeah. it could have become that very easily but they so intelligently worked that scene in very lightly to provide context and to provide character growth without letting it become the story. 
And yeah. I mean, maybe even one more scene with that guy could have let it become the pro- the story. And suddenly Jude Law is a stand in for that guy. And there's all these things in it. You just can't have a movie like this defined by the men. And I thought that was just I thought that was one of the most intelligent, subtle touches in the film. I really appreciated that. Uh, that just came to mind as you're saying that, Mitch. Yeah. And I think with that, another thing that I really enjoyed was that we don't totally no care like we're on this journey with her right so Mm. we get these vignettes of her past but there's still so much we don't know about her and so i think that's great for her future because i guess in a lot of other superhero films you know they kind of complete that circle of becoming the hero they're destined to be and you know maybe they kind of maintain the same character throughout their franchise but with carol i feel like we're going to be on this journey with her throughout her inevitable next however many solo films she has. And I, I think that's really exciting to think about. I think what, what is a key point that you just illuminated, Maite, which was, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because I, I actually thought about this um, the other day, but I didn't write it down and I wasn't thinking to talk about it. So thank you for triggering that. <laughs> um, <it's> basically, <laughs> um, we, we're almost exclusively shown this movie from her point of view. Which is, yeah. I, I don't know, maybe I, I keep coming to Black Panther just because Black Panther is at the top of my Marvel movie list. And it was yeah. of the same cloth, which is it was incredible, entertaining, but it means so much culturally at the same time. So I, I'm drawn yeah. to comparing these two. And I'm not saying that Black Panther is worse than Captain Marvel because Ryan Coogler's the next Steven Spielberg. But um, <laughs> that that movie was like you got just as much Killmonger POV as you did. Uh, T'Challa's POV. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. An- another way where they where they slowly turned the origin concept on its head just enough was if we're really going to play with this memory loss, what is my identity sort of thing, it's a lot more believable and appropriately disorienting for the audience if you're if you're seeing it from from Captain Marvel's mind most of the time instead of getting the backstory behind everybody at the same time. Yeah. Well, and it, it followed by making it from her perspective, doing the origin the way they did. It followed the I think it followed a more modern storytelling method than you see in a tradition. Like, let, let's look at it from what it is. Uh, the way that we do origin stories in, you know, let's say Doctor Strange for me is not it's not a bad movie, but it's kind of my standard for where I realized I had origin fatigue. Because that's the movie where I was like, this should have been a lot of fun, but for some reason I feel like it was a chore. It was paid by numbers. It was it was checkbox. Yes. It was checkbox origin, which was here are these cool yeah. characters, but in order to give them a good first movie, we've got to have this, 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 and this. It was like the rom com yeah. treatment. Yes, for, well, for the movie. formulaic. And it's following a template that was laid out like well, almost forty years ago with Superman, you know, and. And I don't, I'm not trying to say there's anything wrong with Superman, Batman, Iron Man, you know, Lord knows I love those movies. There's nothing wrong with all of those, but it's the same way that I, you know, I I look at, I read a lot of novels and I recently tried to read a book that was released in the early nineties that people have raved about my whole life. And I picked it up and I just couldn't get through it because it, it was a good book when it was released. But these days, that's just not how you introduce a story. And I felt like Captain Marvel was kind of a a recognition of that, that maybe the problem isn't origin stories. Maybe the problem is that we hadn't bothered to update the template in 30 to 40 years. And so now we look at it from a very modern 2019 way of doing things and of telling stories where we drop people into the middle of the action and we let them go on the discovery journey alongside the hero. And I thought that worked so much better than if we had done this through that template that Iron Man followed so well that, you know, so many movies have done so well with, but is starting to get really worn at this point. And I just thought Captain Marvel felt fresh and it didn't reinvent the wheel, but it did kind of give us a new look at it. It gave us a new way of doing an old thing. And, and I think that's brilliant. I think that that's one of the best things that someone can do in storytelling is take something that should be old and make it feel new. And it was so refreshing and it made the movie so much more exciting for it. And so I'm all in on the origin thing. I'm suddenly, 
wondering if we couldn't do a few more origin movies if we did them correctly. I think that's an awesome perspective I didn't even think about. So, that, yeah, I think that's fantastic. Okay, so maybe just a couple minutes. I don't want to get completely down in this hole because we could probably spend hours here, but I feel like it's worth <laughs> mentioning. I mean, we all have eyes. We can't help but notice uh, that anytime Captain Marvel is being mentioned in a review sense in this last week, in the same breath, Wonder Woman is being listed as a counterpoint as far as comparison is concerned. Maite, do you think that that's more because of we simply don't have enough examples to do that yet, and so this is just naturally what we do? Or do you think it's unfair to Captain Marvel to um, have just about every piece that's written about this movie end up back at the Wonder Woman ramp? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I I do get irritated by always seeing the comparison uh, just because they're, I guess, the two most prolific uh, female superhero films because, you know, everyone's forgotten about Supergirl and Elektra, I guess. But, um, <laughs> and, for, and for me, for me, when Pour people one out for Electra. <laughs> honestly, though, yes, yeah, still too soon. Um, but for me, when people compare them, it's not really coming from a positive, uh, stance. For me, it's this, oh, like, I have to like one, and I can't like the other, or, you know, she's hotter than her. And at least that's what, that's the, that's what I've seen on, you know, like you said, the dumpster fire that is Twitter. Um, so I, I, I work very hard not to compare them, um, unless it's kind of in a positive light because I just, it's always kind of frustrating to see two successful women, fictional or not, pitted against each other. Uh, so I, at least that's, that's my take on it. I had a hunch that that was probably where this would go. And I am not disappointed yeah. by that, obviously. Cause like it's to me, even, even if it wasn't just from the standpoint of like the 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 feminine the two feminist movies, it's like they're two completely different movies from two completely different universes, and it's like exactly. I, I don't know. Like I feel like we don't compare Black Panther to Dark Knight, so I don't know why we're comparing yeah. um, Wonder Woman to Captain Marvel, other than the fact that both Gal Gadot and Brie yeah. Larson are flipping amazing, and that ought to be enough. Yeah, and they're supporting each other. Like I don't know if you've seen their tweets and Instagrams, but it, it's been really awesome just to see their support for each other and their respective success in the superhero genre. It's so it cool. Just, it feels to me like one of the more insidious ways that you know this kind of. It, I don't know. It, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. I'm glad that it went the route it did with the discussion because you know I'm even going to admit there's many times where. You know, in prepping my thoughts for this, I started to think, well, you know, and I guess this did better than it did in Wonder Woman and this did worse. And I've had to check myself multiple times on that and just be like, you know, that's not where we need to take this thing. And that's not how this should go. And 100 yeah. percent. I mean, my take, my take, please tell us if we're wrong. But I would I would say that <laughs> I, I'm inclined to say 100 percent. The way we remedy that ailment is by making more of these movies and part of the problem is the fact that we we really only have two super cool successful examples of these so naturally the 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 convenient thing is going to reach for that low-hanging fruit and say let's compare these two apples and oranges yeah um so so yeah if we want to fix the ultimate fix is hollywood stop saying women-led movies don't don't do well in the box office because (laughs) they do and make more of these flipping movies please and thank you and, and, you know, to our listeners, and then I'll get off the soapbox since we said we didn't want to be on this long. To our <laughs> listeners, if, if you agree with us that we need more of these, then go see this movie again. Um, you know, vote with your dollars and let Hollywood – and, you know, the dollar vote is a slippery slope philosophically. But I do want to say on this one, you know, the problem here is that there's this myth that has persisted through generations that people won't pay money to see women lead a film. And I think that – We've until we make it so clear that there's no way they can keep saying that that's going to persist. So if you enjoyed this movie, you want to see more like it, go see it again. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's doing pretty well. I mean, it's already made over it's 500 doing very million, I think. Well. So I think that myth is safely uh, debunked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, everyone. We did it. There we go. Man, that took, what, 30 seconds. Well done. It's going to take a wild guess. And, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, Jake, Maite, 
let's I want to give you both space to give me give me your favorite moment or performance or thing from the movie. I'm going to give each of you just a few minutes to say like, okay, the movie was great, but this, this one thing was, was next level hilarious or just plain awesome or whatever. So Jake, what is your, what is your one big takeaway from the movie? Um, as somebody whose understanding of music peaked about 15 years ago. And as somebody who you know, the aforementioned, I love my daughter angle, the, the scene of her just beating the crap out of the bad guys to no doubts, just a girl was a very perfect moment for me. Uh, I enjoyed that. And uh, I don't know, I, I can't give you like, you know, normally I try to have all these well-reasoned arguments and everything, but all I'm going to say is I like that song and I like this movie. So Good yeah, work. I've, got a, I've got a soapbox about the soundtrack for this movie, but I don't want to get on it until I give everyone space to talk about the awesomeness of the music. In the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, J- Jake, did you want to add anything else to that? I just generally, you know, I, I, the things that really stuck out to me, you know, this is what I do want to say, because this is probably the best space for this that I wanted to discuss I really loved one thing that really stood out, the brilliant move, the simplicity of it and the elegance of solving what I didn't even realize was as big a problem as it was making Annette Bening Marvell was so smart. And it took because, you know, Carol Danvers in the comics, without giving the full on history lesson this episode, Carol Danvers in the comics has this really complex, complicated history where she spends a lot of time being the, you know, being the one who takes a lot of punches from the inherent misogyny in the comic books and comics book industry. And that's kind of embodied in this thing where she's one of these characters that begins her existence as the, you know, girl sidekick of another hero. And so, you know, you've got Supergirl, Batgirl, and, and these are great characters today, but in their inception, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, throw long hair on that character, call it whatever girl. And Miss Marvel was that and then became, you know, in this brilliant moment, Captain Marvel. But to change Marvel from a man to a woman is so smart. It's so elegant. It messes with the story in no negative ways. And it just really diffuses a lot of the problems at the core of the of the thing. I, I thought it was really smart. I thought it was really great. And I really loved that. I, I'm so happy you brought that up because that scene where you find out that she is Marvel, I literally <laughs> almost got up out of my seat and just cheered. And it was funny because I, like I said before, I had explained to some of my friends who don't read comics kind of like briefly you know, some tidbits about her origin and, you know, a little bit about Marvel. And it it was so cool to see how they tied that into this. And I thought that, that was so incredibly satisfying. And like you said, such a very, just well done. And because, you know, before the movie came out, we knew Annette Bening was going to be in it. Um, and obviously she's a fantastic actress. So I was wondering, you know, who could she possibly play? And I, it never crossed my mind that she'd be Marvel, and I think that was an awesome and epic surprise. And I'm and I can't wait to watch the movie again and relive that moment. And isn't it awesome that in 2019 we can still be surprised by something like, yeah. especially as comic <laughs> books fans, yeah. that we we come in knowing basically how everything's going to go, except for a couple of twists and turns here and there. And yeah. to be surprised by that was fantastic. I loved it. Yeah, I 100% agree. Okay, so I want to I want to soapbox on the music just for a couple of minutes, not to diminish yeah. anything that you both said about Annette Benny because it is really cool to think about that we have people like we have we have powerful Titanic women like Annette Benning, Nicole Kidman, and Diane Lane and um, Robin Wright in, in in like all of these um, comic book movies. Michelle Pfeiffer, like yeah. that's like 
I don't know. I'm kind of at a loss of just how ridiculously <laughs> marvelous that is and how I kind of wish that there was like a crossover for just those amazing women to just do something cool in their own comic book <laughs> movies. But okay, so here's the thing. Maybe I'm just not in the right vacuum or not, but there, one of the podcasts that I listen to that I generally am a, a big fan of is The Big Picture from the Ringer Podcast Network. And Sean Fennessy is a brilliant fellow, and Amanda Dobbins especially is, I think, just about as good as it gets from a movie and television critic standpoint in the internet age. She is phenomenal. But I have a bone to pick with both of them. When they reviewed the Captain Marvel movie, they spent so much time on the phoniness of the 90s aura that they brought into this movie that is the same concept of like, did you even watch the movie? Because it's like, it's, <laughs> it's a popcorn comic book movie. It's supposed to be that way, right? But And then they... I don't know. I've them and then another outlet I read an article about how they're just really ripping about how on the nose the music was. And that really irked me because I kind of feel the same way I talk this way about the same way I was talking Jake to you about Spike Lee, which is I feel like we're not fully addressing the fact that um we're still not completely comfortable with a female-led version of these sorts of things because if you want to talk about on the nose, thinly veiled um, quote unquote statement or, or symbolism made with music in movies. It does not get more overt or hammer over your head than Martin Scorsese using friggin' Rolling Stones in every single movie that he does during a drug trip out bit. And we praise Martin Scorsese for being one of the best 20, 20th century auteurs of cinema. We praise him for being, um, versatile and being one of, one of the last greats of, of, of movie making. And I don't understand what um, we had in Captain Marvel with Bowden and flex decisions to, to use music in the same way Scorsese does. I don't know why people are all of a sudden throwing that under the bus. When if Martin Scorsese would have done it, we would have been singing his praises. Am I off on that? Honestly, one of, I guess my only complaint about the movie was that there weren't more like nineties boy band songs. <laughs> we didn't get I want it that way and that was kind of a shame Thank I was honestly you. waiting for that I was waiting for that <laughs> not a single in sync I'm sorry Justin Timberlake's out there guys you can't rewind his looks <laughs> like the, it could have been done very easily a cameo could have happened there you know you know they have the budget right but I just I, I don't know like because I don't know what everyone wanted from the 90s thing like we knew a certain amount of the film was going to take take place in outer space. Like, you know, so how much how much 90s do you want there? And then, you know, I don't know. Hala probably wasn't getting Nine Inch Nails records. Um, and I just think that, like, I don't know. She wore a Nine Inch Nails shirt. They said grunge. She crashed into a blockbuster. They had some songs. I don't know what else people wanted. Well, I feel like it was that's straight out of a comic book, right? Like it's supposed to be like I, I wrote this in my in my brief Twitter response after immediately watching the movie was like it was the perfect amount of campiness mixed yeah. with earned yeah. poignance in this movie. And part of that campiness is like if you were going to read a comic book version of this exact movie, but you didn't know the movie existed, when she came crashing through it, I could totally see the panel of her discovering that she fell through the roof of a blockbuster. That's like, that's vintage comic oh, yeah. bookie of, of, uh, of a security of a white security guard listening to salt and Peppa in his car. Like that is straight out of a comic book to me. So I'm like, it's both a, a proven trope of movie making that we have approved with other filmmakers. And then two, it's straight out of the arena that inspired the movie itself. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to get too terribly annoyed, but it bothers me that people <laughs> can't connect those dots that we are clearly connecting everybody. Well, and I just, I, I think I that. I didn't think it was overdone. Like, yeah, I, I, I just I, I did. Didn't think, yeah. Too much more would have been overdone. Like, the movie, I didn't, yeah. I didn't buy a ticket to see 90s, the movie. I bought a ticket to see Captain Marvel, and it had some delight. I don't know. Like, just as a child of the 90s, you know, somebody who watched Doug on Saturday mornings, I'm telling you, they nailed it. Like, <laughs> it wasn't too much. It was there, and too much more would have been obnoxious. So I don't know what – but people are just – I don't know. Haters going to hate. I don't know what else to say. Ah, haters going to hate. Man, preach it, prophet. 
Okay, Maite, what is what is your one one big goodie from the movie? Uh, if for music or in general? Just in general. I guess. J- okay. JK Piz, let's. This is the floor is yours. Blow the doors off the joint. Uh, okay. Well, real quick though, the "Come as You Are" Nirvana moment was pretty cool. Um, Annette Bening wearing a leather jacket and jamming out to that song in an yeah. ethereal cloud-like <laughs> space was kind of perfect and everything <laughs> I needed in my life that I didn't I just know regret that I, that I was sober for that scene. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't know I needed that until I saw it. Um, Injected into my veins. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, there were just, I guess on the grand scale, I, again, I, I just, I loved going on this journey with Carol and experiencing her past and her memories with her. And I, again, I know I've said it so many times on this podcast already. I just, I love how character driven this movie was. Um, it just, again, I, I love Carol Danvers in the comics and I just fell in love with her again, in the movies. Uh, but I guess specific sequences, Maybe the obvious one, but just the scene where she just kind of taps into her full potential is it, it, it was powerful. And I mean, no pun intended, but it was just very, I found it really poignant. And I think the score uh, from Pinar Token, I think is her name. So sorry if I butchered that. It was perfect. <laughs> and just seeing her just ignore everything anyone else has ever told her about holding back and not you know following her ambition and just seeing the montage of her like you mentioned earlier falling and getting back up all tapping into that moment where she unleashes her powers I, I just thought that was so awesome and so emotional as well I, I admit I got emotional in that scene um but I, I just thought it still overwhelmed me I can't wait to experience that again when I see this movie again inevitably they they built that moment up so well because it was it was a moment that when it finally came it felt like the right time but it was still it was it was still a meaningful moment at the same time too like you you clearly felt yeah. her level up in that moment and, yeah. and they found that good balance of when to really do that and how to show you her her reaching that exactly all right, so I want I want I have one more quick question before we dive into the top five list. Okay, so um, I feel like one one of the easiest and most consistent nitpicks people can make about a lot of comic book movies, and I think most of the time it's justified, is that um, the third act of a lot of these movies is either um, underwhelming or just a big convoluted, expensive mess. And sometimes it just, I, I feel like I find myself saying, or I hear Jake saying, or I read online a lot of people <laughs> saying like, man, that movie was really good, but that third act could have been better. It just seems like something we've grown comfortable to say when we- Yeah, he's talking we, about me, by the way. <laughs> I just want to say like, qu- quick couple minutes here. Does the third act hold up to the first two acts of the movie? Because obviously we loved the first two acts of the movie. Do, do we love the third act too? Does the whole thing sum up to give you- a a good feeling, a good cohesive vision. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought so. I was actually concerned that that third, because since the first two acts of the film, I felt were a lot smaller in scale um, than the third act. So I was worried that when that big climactic action sequence and the resolution was going to unfold, that it would feel really disconnected. Um, but I feel like it was incredibly succinct and in the way it tied in also with her regaining agency over her memories and over her identity. I, I felt like it played out really well. And just seeing her, uh, again, take control of her abilities and just take down all these spaceships. And it, it was a really satisfying moment because I feel like all this whole path of discovery, that the self-discovery led up to this big climax. And it, I, that was so incredibly rewarding to watch. I felt the yeah, same I'm, way. I, I, I felt the third act was pretty seamless and right on par. I don't know. Like I just, I, I didn't have a single disappointment and I was pleasantly surprised by that. Yeah. I, I think for me, the third act is always a question of do the big actions at the end, are, are they earned through the little actions earlier in the movie? And And I thought they were, I thought that all of the themes and all of the, everything that we had started to build up to in the first two acts, it, it was all, it was all there. 
in the end and in those big moments and in her coming into her power and realizing that, you know, they are just, they're holding me down. They didn't give me anything. And, you know, her realization with the Cree and her understanding of who she is and all of those different things. I thought all of that was earned earlier in the movie and it just made those big moments, those big flashy cinematic moments that much more fun when they had been earned and I didn't have to sit there and like them in spite of something. I got to enjoy them because of something. So yeah, I I thought that the movie had a really good payoff. The third act I thought was one of the great strengths. All right. Good. Another consensus. Look at us all playing nicely in the sandbox. (laughs) Okay. So can I be the grouch with one thing before we go to the end? Can I just say one thing I did not appreciate? Yeah. Uh, if, I mean, if you wanted the cat to be black instead of tabby, I no, get it. No, but so close. Listen, in the comics, that cat's name is Chewy, and I'm not normally that guy, but we really renamed it <laughs> in a tribute to that volleyball movie that everybody else is so obsessed with. Like, I Apparently just do it not like a get... issue. Oh, uh, okay. With, Which with is weird what? because of Disney. They own it. Oh, that makes me even more yeah. disappointed. Just walk across I... the street, guys. <laughs> no, it's funny because I, I actually kind of share the same little uh, gripe because I have all these people now who are like, oh, I love Goose, I love Goose. And I'm like, that's not the cast. Name. Yeah, I'm like, but, I want okay. to fight that flurkin in space, thank you very much. Okay. When his name was Chewy. Yeah, there's, and she's there's, a mother. There's only one Goose and he died in Top Gun. Spoiler alert. You know, I've never seen Top Gun, right? Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So there's that. (laughs) Okay. So this is it. Um, Top five time. Captain Marvel was really, really good. And I have a feeling most of us, if not all of us, are probably going to be placing it in their top five. That's why I wanted to see if we could revisit this. Obviously, um, this has to be uh, the way you testify in front of a grand jury, put your blood on a piece of paper because this is going out on the internet and this is real and this is forever. So, um, Maite, guest of honor, comic book extraordinaire, and uh, feminist icon. You, you have, oh wow! You have the floor. Set the yeah, no pressure. Here. Yeah, right. No pressure. Give it. Give us your off the cuff top five uh, Marvel movies. All right. Well, the first Iron Man will always hold a special place in my heart. Also because I just love the first Iron Man. Um, so that's that, on there. That was one of the most fun movie theater experiences I've had this, like since the MCU started like that in a yeah. lot of ways, I'm still trying to catch up to the euphoria I had for experiencing that different kind of a movie in theaters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is no particular order. Uh, I guess the Iron Man, I loved the Winter Soldier. I loved mm-hmm. the fight choreography. I loved the tone. Um, great movie. Great, almost espionage thriller. I, I loved it. Um, let's see. Civil War, definitely up there. Uh, seeing Spider-Man reintroduced into the Marvel Universe was a moment I will never forget. Um, you and Jake are going to get along just fine. <laughs> a guest is on my side. A guest is on my side. <laughs> um infinity war is definitely on that list too um it, it was definitely the most profound cinematic experience i've ever had uh oof, that's that that's, that's a statement right there yeah that fits but oh, oh man <laughs> this is hard this is so hard because you have the avengers you have captain marvel black panther um and i i, I did really like doctor strange this is going to be tough. Um, I hate that you put me up to this first. Can, can I say that I thought Doctor Strange is the rare movie that its third act is the best part and the rest of it needed to really? catch up? Yeah, and well, that's another episode. But I, I, I think I sound sometimes like I didn't like Doctor Strange, and I did. I just think, eh, anyway, yeah. fine okay like right now my brain is putting dr strange captain marvel and black panther all up against each other um so you know it changes by the day and today i'm really loving carol so i'm gonna put captain marvel up there might change tomorrow get back to me on twitter next week see where i'm at maybe the whole list is different 
you know, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's you know what? It's a well-rounded top five list, and you didn't commit to <laughs> numerical order either, either, which was probably a smart. <laughs> Even harder. <laughs> Putting numbers on it is a rookie move because that's how they so, get you. Can, can I give just an honorable mention? And this is going to maybe a totally unpopular opinion, but I've always had an appreciation for the Incredible Hulk movie with Edward Norton. Just saying, okay. that might be a, that's probably a so, really controversial opinion. Usually, about once a month, I. I, <laughs> I I uh, I'm the voice of the dub- watching comics podcast Twitter page, Maite. So yeah. uh, usually about once a month, I throw out there just to remind everybody that Edward Norton is the best Hulk. Oh my god! Thank <laughs> you. Wow, I am literally bowing down right now. <laughs> Sometimes wow. I see that pop up on the Twitter. Like I'm not super active on Twitter, but when I am on there, I'll look and see that uh mitch has put that up again i'm like like it's not that i disagree but like you just try to piss people off what are we doing here today (laughs) well especially like my mom and my dad they introduced me to the 70s incredible Hulk series and i feel like the movie just had so many wonderful homages to that yes 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 all of the things (laughs) this is my opinion but i will go back on twitter and retweet all of those (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's, of Edward Norton. <laughs> it is so underrated that that incredible so Hulk underrated. movie. Yeah, so underrated. Okay, so Maite, um, I mean, I'm going to put you on the spot one more time. If you didn't absolutely hate your experience on this podcast, then if you would like to make another appearance, then we should make that the Incredible Hulk episode, and where we just talk about that movie. I am 100 percent in. That sounds like a great time. Yes. Another great Thursday night. Yes, sweet. All right, we'll, we'll we'll make it happen sometime in the very near future. Okay, awesome. Jake, it is your time. Your time to shine, okay. buddy. Um, I also refuse to assign numbers, but I will say that well, there's Spider-Man a top... Homecoming's your number one, right? It's not, and I want it to be. Ah. Like, if we're just talking like emotional favorites, anything, any good Spider-Man movie makes me happy. But, but you know, Mitch, the the Dozens of people that care what I think rely on me to be objective. And Mm. so uh, Spider-Man Homecoming has got such a special place in my heart, but it's not going to be on my top five list if I'm being objective. Mm. Um, I know it's tough. Um, So for me, (laughs) the top tier, the ones that, you know, it shifts what's number one through four, but there are four that stay top tier for me. And those are Iron Man, uh, Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, and Black Panther are the four I'm that so, really. I'm so so. I, it never ceases to surprise me. I don't know why. It's like the fifth time we talked about this. <laughs> about why I'm so so surprised that you think the second Guardians is better than the first. Like they're well, both it's good, the, but it's just it's so weird to me, man. It's something about, you know what it is with Guardians 2, and I'm going to like let so much more of myself out onto this show <laughs> than I ever mean to, but it's the it's the dad angle, man. You know that stuff gets me. Oh, that's true. And that's true. That's, that's totally what it is. It's Because they're really, if you want to break it down, I think they're completely equal films that are both just as awesome, and it's just that that angle on number two really gets me where I live. So, um so I put those four in my top tier and I think Captain Marvel has firmly locked itself into the top of the second tier. So I'm going to say it's number five today. Um, and that's a, I mean that as high praise, like those top four are completely untouchable in my mind as just movies. I can watch at any time for any reason. And that second tier has some great movies in it. And right now Captain Marvel is sitting atop the second tier there. So that's where I'm going to end my five. 100% fair. That's solid. Um, I'll rattle mine off really quick. I typed them into my phone so I wouldn't forget. Well, yeah, you ask the questions. You came I, ready. Yeah, yeah, man. I'm running the <laughs> ship. We're so organized with our production meetings and everything. <laughs> I believe it. It's a text. It's a text that says, what are we doing this week? <laughs> okay, so my top five. Um, the only one that I have deadlocked in a position of numerical order is Black Panther. I just have that in the number one spot. I have a hard time 
believing that anything's going to be thrown that for me because I, I, on a greater standpoint, I'm putting Black Panther in the conversation of the short list of greatest comic book movies ever made. So if I'm doing that, then it sits number one in the MCU list, period. So Black Panther at the top. Then the other four in whatever order are Winter Soldier, Captain Marvel, Iron Man, and Infinity War. So we overlap in quite a few. Yeah. Iron Man, objectively, just one of the best, for sure. It is. Like, there's something to be said about hitting a home run and reinventing the game at the same time right out of the gate. You set that standard. And you you earn a spot at the at the big boy table then if you can do that. And Iron yeah. Man was just such a special movie theater experience. And in a lot of like I said earlier, in a lot of ways, so much of me is going back to these comic book movies, hoping I can get a touch of that again. Iron Man is like the Dr. J of the comic book films. Everybody forgets how good it was because most of us were thinking about the newer stuff but when we didn't watch the aba you know that's just it you know we're not 60 but you know (laughs) it was the greatest at its time and it's still the standard everything else is being held to or put in any old school athlete there but i think that i think iron man is just that it's that standard by which all others are judged and some have even passed it but it's still the standard that they were judged by. Yeah. Well, Maite Molina, it has been an absolute honor to have you. Yeah. Thank you so much. You want to take a quick minute and just uh, give a shout out to your work and where people can find you on the internets because you are awesome. Yeah, sure. Uh, Well, firstly, thank you guys so much for having me. This was so much fun. Um, so happy that we quote met over Twitter so we can make this happen. Um, I love comics. I love comics and I, I love meeting people who love them as much as I do. So always so such a, you know, great experience to have and to share that with other people. Um, but yeah, for anyone who I guess enjoyed my input, um, and wants to check out more of my stuff, you can, uh, check out comicsverse.com. Uh, I have a variety of articles about, any kind of superhero, you name it. I'm just a total nerd. Um, also on some podcasts, if you want to keep hearing me rant about Batman and et cetera. Um, yeah, so comicsverse.com. Uh, once again, thank you guys so much for having me. This was a great time, and I, I look forward to doing this again. Let me especially shout out your piece you wrote a few months back on Kingdom Come for Comicverse. Um, oh, that yeah. <laughs> Kingdom Come has a special place in my heart. It's been cataloged on this podcast many times. We can rehash it at another moment. But anyway, that yeah. like, if you're looking for a good starting place, selfishly, I would say that one is top drawer. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a fantastic work. The art is just legendary. The story is honestly unlike anything that you'll ever read. It's it truly stands alone. So yeah, it's definitely check it out. For sure. Well, that is another episode in a can. Boom. So be sure to check us out on the Twitters at Watch Comics Pod. That's comics with an X at Watch Comics Pod. As always, massive shout out to our lovely home base, the Geek Dad Podcast Network. It is the coolest place with the coolest people. We're happy to be a part of what's going on over there. And uh, let us know your thoughts on Captain Marvel. And uh, if you liked it, let us know. If you didn't like it, let us know, and we'll tell you you're wrong. Either way, the internet is a cool place. We'll be coming back at you next week with some more stuff. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.